Thank you for the honor. I'm so humbled on the fact that the leadership honors our position and our role, me and my wife. And uh, as you can tell, they they honor us. And I don't even feel worthy to measure up to those words. I was going to tell Jeremy and Bree that each and every service, the bases are loaded, and Jeremy hits it out of the park. Brienne on Wednesday night, the bases are loaded, and she hits it out of the park. I was going to tell them in baseball, I watch a lot of baseball, when a batter gets up and they hit it out of the park, you know what they do in baseball? They throw it the next batter. So since I'm here, if you got anything to throw at me, throw it on up to him because I want to do exactly what God has me to do. Romans chapter 1 verse 11 simply says that, that he wants to impart the word so that you can be established. And that word impart means more than to give but give until somebody receives so communication to the church and in a marriage is like the lifeblood is to the body we have to have communication to where somebody understands what you're saying and receives what you're saying the beautiful thing about this church is that jeremy is a wonderful communicator and not only does he give, but this whole congregation receives what he's saying. And uh, Sister Bree's the same way. She's such a good communicator that she's able to give and everybody in the church receive. I heard about this, uh, this lady that went to the lawyer to try to get a divorce. So the lawyer says, well, just let me ask you, do you have any grounds? And she said, oh, yeah, we got about two acres. <laughs> and he said, no, 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 ma'am. Do you have a grudge? And he, she said, no, we just have a carport. <laughs> she said, he said, ma'am, you're not hearing me well. I want to know, does he beat you up? She said, no, I let him sleep in every morning. Well, then what's the problem, the lawyer said. Well, he, she said, we just can't communicate. <laughs> Amen. So today we want to make sure that we can communicate the Word of God to you today. I feel something deep inside of me, and uh, the only thing that I'm worried about is that if I'm pleasing to Him, people don't bother me anymore, but whether I'm pleasing to Him to be able to deliver what I feel on the inside of me. Now, I only preach four sermons out of a year. So today, don't expect me to be here next week. And so if you don't like it, come back. There'll be Jeremy and there'll be Bree again. And uh, today, I'm just going to try to run off everybody that we can. So it means if you come back, that means you really love the church. Would you, let me, uh, would you let me preach today in my own style, in my own way? 
I said there's only one thing that I'm worried about. The second thing I'm worried about is that if I can compile all that God has given to me and place it in this church in just a short amount of time. I want to I want to give justice and mercy today. I have studied this to where I've studied it to do it justice. And I want to be short enough that I give the crowd mercy. So today I hope that you will allow me to completely empty out what I have to say. And I will tell you that it's probably not going to be 30 minutes. So just sit back, relax, and learn. I also heard that in communication, the way that you communicate to transfer what you're trying to say, 7% is by the words that you give. 35% you transfer what you're trying to say through the, the way you say it. And then there's 58% that you transfer by facial expressions. So today I want you just to look at my face and learn, okay? <laughs> Amen. There may be times that I turn red in the face. There may be times that you're worried about me. But let me tell everybody, I think I am, I think my filter's back. My brother told me something today, and I'm not going to repeat it. Steve, you're watching me online. Wisdom tells me not to say what you told me to say, or not what you told me to say, what you told me. Thank God for wives. Wives, uh, Pam told Steve, tell him not to say it. And so I thank God for wives and my wife, and today I am honored to have my sweet wife. <clears throat> All right, let me just start. You ready? 60 years. We're upon 60 years. Next Sunday, we will celebrate 60 years, starting in the 61st year. As I looked in the Bible, I saw different times that they used the term 60. And I tried to relate it to us. So we are building a new sanctuary out there, and I want you to, not a sanctuary, but a new addition so that we can house more people. Isaac did not start having his children until he was 60 years old. And then everything after him began to multiply. So today I believe that there's going to be something that's going to happen in the church where children are going to be born, and from one it's going to happen to another and to another one until we reach this entire city. Thank you for being here. I know that some of you have come here. You thought you'd never, ever come here, but look what God has done. He has brought you here. Also, 60 means that when you reach 60 in the Bible, that means that you're moving into a day of fulfillment, a day of answering prayer. I believe that something is shifting in the spirit realm for this church, for Covenant Church. I told the church 
uh, on a a prayer night of Sunday night, I said by the unction of the Holy Ghost, I prophesied and my children all heard it, that in September there's going to be a shifting in the spirit realm. And so even in my own life, something miraculous took place, not on the 31st, but on the 1st of of September. So if you're looking for something to shift in your life, I'm going to tell you God's going to shift something. What would not move, God's going to move it for you. Whatever's been hindering you, what has ever been a problem to you, I'm going to tell you the spirit realm is going to do something brand new in your life. Come on, clap your hands and receive that right now. So 60 years, 60 years is upon us, and we will celebrate that beginning in beginning next week. My father moved us into this city in 1963. I was just a little four-year-old boy. My brother Steve was just a six-year-old boy, and then I had another brother by the name of Tom L., and he was eight years old. Little did we know what God was bringing us into. He was bringing us into a city called Rust, Texas. We did not know exactly about Rust, but now that we have, uh, now that we have been here a while, we understand the blessings and we understand the evilness that is in Rust, Texas. For just right down the street, there's so many evil spirits that this church has to overcome and fight against it. And I thank God that God is delivering us and delivering people out of mental conditions and out of things that they need healing over. And we thank God that some of you are here in the, in the sanctuary. Not that you had any mental problems, but I will tell you, spiritually, your mind was not right. Amen. And God has brought healing into your life. When we look at the Word of God, we, we see that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the four Gospels. And if you want to know about a story in the Bible, then you can't just take one of the books and read the story and have the totality of what it's saying. Actually, you got to read Matthew and the story in Matthew, and you got to read the story in Mark. Then you got to read the story in Luke, and a lot of times it'll be in all four chapters or all, all four books. And so today I'm going to start out with a sermon that begins in Luke chapter 6. And it simply says, and I'm going to apply everything today to the Word of God. I'm going to take the Word of God and I'm going to apply it to our day and what's going to happen in this, in this place. Amen. And I have to watch because I do take medicine and my mouth gets extremely uh, dry. So you pray that I'm able to uh, not have to drink all the time because you know what drinking all the time will do to you. (laughs) So I I, I might get drunk in the spirit, just keep that close. I might get drunk in the spirit, but it's not going to be on old wine. It might be on new wine. Amen. Amen. Okay, we start in chapter 6, verse 6. We're going to read that there was a man that had a withered hand. 
And it says, and it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the, the synagogues and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. Everybody say right hand. His right hand, which represents power, was withered. And Luke is the only place in the Bible when it talks about the man with the withered hand, it talks about which hand. So now we go to Matthew chapter 12, verse 10. And it begins to tell the same story. And it emphasizes upon the fact that there were uh, the Pharisees, there were the religious people that this man entered into the building with. He was caught up among the religious group. And the religious group was trying to trick Jesus and say to you, can you heal on the Sabbath? You're not supposed to heal on the Sabbath. And so Jesus was having to work through the crowd with this man that had a withered hand among the religious folks. And so here he comes and he says, come here, man. Why don't you get out of the crowd and come up here and meet me right here because I want to do something in your life. Now, if you go to Mark chapter 3, you'll see one through like four uh, of of the verses. You'll see the same story. And in that story, you're going to see how Jesus did for this man with the withered hand. This man has a hand, and, and it just seems like it drew up. It withered. It was strong. He was a masonry. He laid bricks. And somehow or another, through the, his work, his hand became withered. It might, not start, it might not have started as bad as it was when he met Jesus. So my message today is all about he is more. God is more than you can even imagine. He will do more in your life. When you have a situation that you think cannot work out, I'm going to tell you he is more. If you're broken today, he is more. He will show up every time to show you no no matter where you're at, God is more in your situation. Amen. And throughout the Bible, I'm going to show you today that God is more no matter where the people were. So no matter where you are in your work of life, in your life of serving God, I'm going to tell you, you have not reached the, the top of where God wants to be in your life. And so he's simply more. He's more in your marriage. He's more in your finances. He's more in your relationships. He's more in your spiritual walk. God is here to show you that he is more. So Jesus says, come here, man. And in Mark, he says, when you get here, he says, I got one thing to tell you. Stretch forth thy Hand, And if you'll notice that Jesus did not say which hand to, to give him. 
In other words, this withered hand was back here. He could have gave him this hand. So many people that come out of the religious world, they say, everything's okay with me. I've got a good husband. I've got a good family. I've got a good job. I've got a good car. And they show God their best hand. When God says, what I want to know, are you willing to give me the hand that has a problem in it? Because I want to be more in your life. All you've ever experienced is among the religious world, but I've come to show you that I am more. I am the healer of your hand. So today, if you want your life changed, don't just give him your best hand. Don't act like everything is all right. Because if you want to live crippled, you can live crippled the rest of your life. Because I'm going to tell you, that man could have walked away and he could have never been healed. But because the Lord of glory said, stretch forth thy hand. And he gave him the hand that was hurting. He gave him the hand that was crippled. He gave him the hand that was dysfunctional. And God says, because you gave me the problem, I'm going to show you more than I have ever been in your life. And I'm going to heal that hand. Amen. Many, many stories throughout the Bible. You're going to see the end results. No matter where the person began, you're going to find out that he wants to show us more. He wants us to show us that he is more. Don't ever limit God. God can do the impossible. Whatever your situation in life. I'm going to give you my story. In 2020, or excuse me, in 2020, July the 19th is when I was preaching here of Matthew chapter 25. And it was the time that we were having two services. And I would preach at 9, then I would turn around and preach at 11. And somewhere between the first lesson, or the first message and the second message, message something happened in my body and in, in my mind. I didn't realize it, but... I was fixing to go through a major storm. I really didn't know. I mean, I pastor of a church, preacher, 30 years of pastoring, come from a preacher's home. Seems like everything should be all right. Seems like it should be if anybody has experienced God in his power, in his ultimate power, seems like it would be a preacher. But little did I know that I needed God to show up and tell me he is more. In Luke chapter 17, beginning with verse 2 and 12, I don't mean for you to have to thumb through the chapters there, but they can throw it on the board and they can, they can go from Scripture to Scripture if they want to and if you want to look up there, but I don't want to. I don't want to slow my time down. I'll just kind of paraphrase it. There were 10 lepers that came to Jesus. And they said, Master, we need to be healed. I mean, what would happen with leprosy, it would eat up your nose. It would eat up your ears. It would eat up your fingers. And slowly, it would cause you to have a half of a nose or half of a ear. And it would do things in your life that would hurt you. And eventually it just slowly ate away of you. So these ten lepers came to Jesus and said, Master, would you heal us? And Jesus stopped what he was doing and he showed them that he was more. 
and he healed all ten of them. And then there was one that wanted to go beyond just the healing power. He felt like he needed more than just healing. So he came back to the master and said, Master, I want to thank you so much that you have healed my body. I thank you. And then Jesus said, where's the other nine? The problem I have with the other nine, I wonder if they went right back to the way they used to do things, just beginning to accept healing as just enough but this one came back to Jesus and said Jesus I want to thank you for healing me and Jesus said I am more than a healer in your life because you have come and told me that you're thankful for it I'm going to make you whole in other words whole means to be restored in other words I'm going to restore you as if no sickness has ever happened in your life. In other words, your nose is going to be back to the original. Your ears is going to be like they, like they were when you were born. Your, every part of your body is going to be restored. In my life, God has showed up in my life that he's more than my healer. He's my restorer. And if you need to be restored, I'm telling you, God is going to do something greater than he's ever done in your life. He's going to be your restorer. Amen. You're not going to stay the same. Something's shifting in the spirit realm. God ain't going to turn you loose. I'm just going to tell you right now. I'm praying that God puts rocks in your bed. I'm praying that every time you turn over, you can't sleep until you get the fact that God wants to be more in your life. Everybody say he's more. Everybody say he's more. Amen. Another story in the Bible where Jesus wanted to show some people that he was more. Now I want you to get this story. I want you to see how, how it looks and why after I tell you why he said what he said. Go to John chapter 11. I'm going to give you two phrases that is in John chapter 11. We're going to look at verse 14 and uh, we're going to see this story. The Bible says, Then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now look at the next scripture. And it says, I am glad. Whoa! Put that together. Everybody say, Lazarus is dead. And the Lord is happy. Wait a minute. The story begins where they begin to call for Jesus. And they say, Jesus, my brother whom thou lovest is, is sick. Jesus did not move. He stayed where he was at for a couple of days. What do you do when you want, need God to show up and he does not show up when you think he ought to show up? I'll tell you what you do. You wait on the Lord. Isaiah chapter 40 says, 
this. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Then I'm going to say, teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, how to wait. And so then Jesus said, after a couple of days, he said, let's go. Where are we going? We're going to find that man that was sick. When he goes that, that direction, he comes in to the area, and Martha comes running up, griping, complaining. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. I'm going to tell you something. People come against women preachers, but I'm going to tell you these women caused this miracle to happen. Get off those ladies back. They got a powerful ministry. I'm going to tell you, Brienne is a voice in this house that will bring deliverance to this city. No wonder somebody wants to attack her. We never want to shut up the voice of a woman's ministry. All I can say is, honey, you're not very wise to the word of God. God used women to cause this miracle to take place. Jesus walked into the house and then she said, listen, you would have, you would, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. Jesus said, yes, he's going to rise again. And she said, I know he's going to rise again in that day. He said, no, Martha. You don't understand me. All you understand is that I am the healer. You knew if I would get here that I would heal your brother. But here's the real story. I am here knowing that Lazarus is dead and I'm glad. The only reason that he was glad is that he wanted to show up and show them that he was way more than just a healer. He said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And if I had come here, you would have just known me as a healer. But now that I'm here and your brother is dead, I'm going to tell him to come forth and he's going to live again. Again, and you will know me now as a resurrection. Yep. So she moved from a, from a level in God of believing that, yes, if you'll come, I know you can heal. But I've never known of you being the resurrection. In 20 this next month, or this month, after next week, God's going to show this sanctuary. God's going to show these people, no matter where, you at in your, where you're at in your walk with God, I am going to tell you, God's going to show up in your situation, and he's going to do a new thing in your life. I don't care if things in your life is dead. If your marriage is dead, I'm going to tell you it's going to come back to life again because he's the resurrection. If you tell me that your finances are at the lowest that they've ever been, I'm going to tell you, don't give up yet. Keep serving the Lord. Keep being committed because God's going to show up here in your situation and take every dead thing and cause it to live again. Amen. He's going to show up. 
in your dead situation, he's going to walk right in. He's going to look at you. And I'm going to tell you, he's going to say, I am more. I am more. I've seen God do miracles. I watched, and I don't mean to embarrass anybody, but I watched Brad and Casey come walking into this church. They sat over here on the left. Dannon happened to be the preacher, so they got to hear Dannon preach. They never got to hear me preach, and everybody in the family was worried about whether Brad could handle my preaching. Brand was over there just checking things out. He didn't know exactly, you know, how things are really going to be. If he was going to really like it, could he keep him? Could we stay in the church? Could our kids be growing up in the church? And they had this religious stance. Everybody clapping their hands. Well, I guess I'll try it. Casey. Wonderful wife sitting over there beside him. Little did they know that they needed to see that he was more. Time has taken its course. And from, from a religious state, he has walked into this place. God has moved on their hearts. They have taken great strides of faith. She quit her job to say that I'm going to do more for God. And Brad says, well, I'm fixing to go with you, baby. And then they begin to go, and then he, suddenly he began to lead. And it was last Wednesday night, or the Wednesday before last, that we were on vacation. Guess who preached on Wednesday night? Uh, see who did a great job. I'm going to tell you, God showed up and said, I am more, Brad. I am more, Casey. Let me be more in your life. If God can do it for Brad, he can do it for you. Now, that doesn't say that we're going to ask you to preach. Chances are we won't. But you never know. Amen. I promise you, if I go any further, I will not let you go to sleep. And if I catch you sleeping, I'm going to come back there to you. I don't stay on this platform. I'll come over there and I'll wake you up real good. There was an old story about a preacher that was standing behind the pulpit. And an old man would walk into the church every week. He would sit on the front row. And as soon as the preacher started preaching the man would go to sleep and start snoring. It happened Sunday after Sunday. So the preacher standing behind the pulpit said, next Sunday, I'm going to get that old man. So sure enough, the preacher standing behind the pulpit sees this old man come walking back in, sitting on the front row. The preacher said, turn to John 3.16. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And he heard this. <laughs> the preacher standing behind the pulpit said, this is my chance. So he gets right in the mic and he says, everybody that's going to hell, stand to your feet. The old man is startling, woke him up. He stood up. He turned around and said, preacher, looks like me and you the only one standing A couple 
was on the way to get married. And they had a car wreck, but both of them were saved. So they get to heaven, and they didn't have the opportunity to get married. So they get to heaven, and they say, St. Peter, we didn't get to get married. We was on our way to get married, but now we're here in heaven. Can we get married in heaven? So St. Peter said, wait a minute. Let me go back and check. So he goes back and checks, and he comes back, and he says, Hey, guys, I got bad news for you. You're going to have to wait 30 days before you can get married in heaven. So they wait 30 days. In a minute, they come back after 30 days, and they say, St. Peter, we're back. Can we get married? He said, let me check one more time. He goes back, and he comes back. Listen, I hate to tell you this, but I got bad news. You're going to have to wait another day. Another 30 days because we don't have a preacher up here that can perform the ceremony. Did you catch it? We don't even have a preacher up here in heaven that can perform the ceremony. <clears throat> I'm going to heaven. If they have to wait on me, I'm going to marry them because <laughs> I'm going to heaven. Anybody with me? You're going to heaven? Come on, let's make a joyful noise under that Amen. Now I'm going to carry you back in time. The children of Israel were. Hello. I'm back. Children of Israel were in bondage. They had only known how to walk with the Lord in a posture of bondage. Having faith to overcome the yoke that was placed upon their back. And so we get to the story of Exodus chapter 14. And we begin with chapter, verse 19 through 30. And there you will find that God performed a miracle to those people that were in bondage. He showed up as more. And he said to them, follow Moses. And Moses come up to this place where the enemy was right on them. And the water was ahead of them. And God said, Moses, strike that water because I want you to know that I am more than you have ever seen in my life, in your life. So he struck that, struck that water and the waters began to part. A wind came and they were able to walk on dry ground. They get to the other side. There was a pillar that was light to their feet that they could follow 
into the new land, to the, the wilderness. And so then, after they walked uh, behind the cloud, then suddenly the cloud became behind them, and it was darkness to the Egyptians, so that they could not see the direction that the children of, of God had been delivered to. I'm going to tell you your enemy has been after you for years. But I'm here to tell you that he's more and he wants to show up as something new in your life. And he's going to part the water so you can walk from not enough to just enough. From not enough to just enough. Now he's not over yet. That was a time of deliverance. And so they understood him now. As the deliverer. Now we get to chapter 16 of Exodus. And it begins to talk about how that he began to become their provider. He caused a cloud to come in. And when he caused that cloud to come in. It began to rain manna in the morning and quail at night. And so they took that, that manna and they put it together. They mashed it together. They baked it. And it became like a wafer. And they put it to their mouth. And it had a taste like honey. And they loved what God had brought down from heaven. He became their provider. And I'm going to tell you, God has become our provider in this house. We have this man in the mornings, every Sunday morning, raining down honey, raining down manna, and we all walk out of this place. What a sermon. Man, that guy did a great song. Whoa, I enjoyed it. That tasted good. That was the manna in the morning. And then on Wednesday night at night, that quail started coming. Brienne would come down here and she'd preach the word of God and quail would begin to happen all over. And God performed them with manna in the morning and quail at night. Manna in the morning, quail at night. Manna in the morning, quail at night. God became their provider. We've been going through a lot of deliverance in this house. You have gone to the back room. Sometimes you walked up here and there has been people that's helped you through deliverance. But I'm going to tell you he's more than that. He wants to become your protector. He wants to become your vision. He wants to become everything that you need. Your protector, your provider. He wants to show you how he can rain down something from heaven that will nourish you. So if you want to ever get right with God, you need a house of God. You need to have that manna coming in your life. You need to take it and eat it and enjoy it. Let it be sweet. Let it be good. Let it nourish your body. If you really want to know the, church, the truth, I am a preacher that tells you if you're not on vacation and don't go on vacation just to show that you don't want to show up when pastors preach it. God wants to let you know, if you can, you should be in the house of God. I've told you this many times, but for some of you new people, I'm going to tell you now. Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. It's the place in the Bible that talks about church attendance. There's not one better in the scriptures that talks about church attendance. It says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, 
as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So here it says that you should assemble yourself in the house of God. All of you people that are sick, I'm not talking to you. All of you that are on a honeymoon or a birthday trip, I'm not talking to you. But if you're just sitting home because you're lazy and you want to sit in that, that, uh, that uh, recliner with your pajamas on just because you didn't have enough strength to, or want to to get out of your chair to get to the house of God, I'm going to tell you next Sunday, I better see you. These people all showed up assembling themselves to manner. They assembled themselves. That's what we're doing. And so God is very, very assured and wants us to be assured that when he says attend the church, you need to do it. Yeah. So you say, well, Pastor... You don't have to be, you don't have to go to church to be saved. But if you're working, understand. You don't have to go to church to be saved. How many's ever said that? Come on, raise your hand. You know you did. Yeah, I didn't have I don't believe you have to go to church to be saved. Well, I'm not saying you have to go to church to be saved, but I'm gonna tell you the church will help you get saved. The next scripture is the scariest scripture about church attendance. If I was God, I'd put it in a different place. But since I'm God, not God, and God is God, he puts it right where it's supposed to be. The next scripture says, for if you sin willfully. Whoa, wait a minute. Church attendance, sin willfully. Whoa. God's got that scripture in the wrong place. I would have put it, I would have put it 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9. I would have put it right after verse 10. She'll help me. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Verse 10. Not thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now I would insert inserted that scripture right there. For if you sin willfully, that's where I'd have put it. But since I'm not God, God put it after church attendance. So if you've ever had a negative understanding about church, God wants to show you that he's more when you get to the house of God. How many did I run off? Stand back there. If they're not running to the bathroom, you send them back in. <laughs> 37 minutes I've been. So Amen. Exodus chapter 14 is a wonderful story. Deliverance of the Egyptian, uh, from the hands of the Egyptians. 16 is a good story of Exodus. It talks about quail. And it talks about manna in the morning. But now we're going to move ahead. And we're going to get to Numbers chapter 11. And we're going to start on verse 24. Once again, God says, I'm fixing to change things. I'm fixing to cause a shifting 
in the children of Israel. What I gave them out of heaven was sweet honey manna. And I gave them quail at night. So I'm going to give them a same package, but I'm going to change the diet. And so what he did when they went there and they picked up that manna and they put it in their mouth, no longer did it taste like honey, but it tastes like fresh Oh, suddenly the manna had a different taste. I'm going to tell you, some of you walked into this place and you liked Jeremy's preaching and you like Brianne's preaching, but I'm going to tell you, God's not going to leave you there with just somebody that's sitting on a pew just loving the Word of God and preaching. God wants to anoint you like He has never anointed you before. He wants to give you His Spirit like He's never given it to you before and the the fresh oil represents the anointing of God so come here Jeremy I don't know where Bree is she's going to miss this important part that's okay she's downstairs Moses represents your leadership in 11 chapter 24 when it talks about the rain or the manna coming from heaven And it talks about how Moses picked it up and he ate it and he liked it. I'm going to tell you, it's wonderful when your leadership loves the anointing of God. I'm going to tell you, I've watched this boy. I've been his father-in-law for several years. And I've watched him when he gave his left hand. When he showed God, well, I'm a preacher's child. And I know, God, that I have a beautiful wife. I have a wonderful daddy that is a preacher. I have a wonderful father-in-law that's a preacher. And he went down the history and he raised his left hand to God. But he did not have the anointing as long as he had his left hand in the air. But God says, there's more, son. There's more I have for you. But you're going to have to give me your right hand. You're going to have to give me something because you've lost your power. I'm going to restore your power. And suddenly an anointing has baptized this man. He changed his diet. He changed his love. And God put his spirit on him. And I thank God for leaders that love the anointing of God. I respect that man I give him honor he's my pastor not only is he your pastor he's my pastor my daughter is my pastor also and they do an absolute wonderful job better better than I could have just have to be honest with you they kept saying daddy The way you preach and turn red in the face, I think you run more off than you bring in. I said, oh, no, can't help it. So I had my stroke. We had 165 people here. I had to quit preaching. They started preaching, and it's doubled. All right. That's why they don't let me preach four times a year. Not true. Not true. They'd let me preach as long as I wanted to and as many times, but under the anointing of God, 
I want his anointing above everything. Then we pick up with the story in chapter 11, verse 25. And let me just paraphrase it the way I see it in the word. The Bible says that he liked it so much that he didn't want it just to be on him. But he called him 70 elders up because he said, I want you to have this same anointing, this same fresh oil. I want you to experience it. And I want you to have it. And so, come here, Wes. Come here, Brother Fleetwood. Amen. Come on, Bill Geltz. Come on, Ricky McIntyre. Come on, Denny McIntyre. Come on, just stand right here. Face the crowd. Come on. Hey, Brother Keith. Uh, sometimes these elders, it takes them a little longer time to get to the front. Moses said, the leadership, this is the way it is, Brother Jeremy. The leadership says, I don't want to just have it alone, but I want to share it. And I want my elders, I want the elders to experience the same anointing. And so he went out through there. He just began to pour it on them and just began to anoint them. And they said, you know what? Not just the elders, not just the preachers, not just the leaders like it, but the elders like the anointing of God flowing through the house. And the worst thing that this church could do for these elders is stop the flow of the presence of God. The presence of God needs to be strong in the house of God. Y'all can go down, elders. They take you a little while to get there. Then I'm going to tell you, it's not, it didn't stop there. God's still more. Probably people that you never heard about in the Bible is this. All of a sudden, not only did it fall on Moses and the leadership, it has fallen upon the elders. And man, there's a flowing of God's presence. There's a, there is a fresh awe that has flowed down from heaven. And God says there's some more. So there was a man by the name of Eldai, Eldad, and Medad. Eldad and Medad. And they came up and they began to pour it on Eldad and Medad. And the power of God hit them. And you know what they did? They went out through the camp prophesying and saying, Yay, saith the Lord. And I don't know exactly what they said, but I will tell you what I think they said. The name of Eldai means God hath loved you. And the Medad means that he has loved you more affectionately. So you know what? I felt like that Eldad and Medad, they went through the camp and said, Yay, the Lord loves you. Yay, God loves you. If you've never felt the love of God, yay, he loves you. And he will love you so much that it will affect you. How many knows that the love of God has affected you? You're not the same old man as you've always been. You're not the same old woman that you've always been. You're not the same young man that you've always been. You're not the same young lady that you've always been. Why? Because God hath loved you. He's loved you more affectionately. In other words, his love will affect you and change 
the way you are. God says that's not, that's not all. But I want to tell you what I feel right now. I think that the leadership has got an anointing on their life that you will see the rest of your life no matter who's in leadership in this house. You will see the anointing resting upon the leadership. And I believe that as long as we live, there's going to be elders that's going to love the presence of God. They done fell in love with what they feel. And they can't have anything less than the wonderful power of God. Then I believe that there's going to be people like you, Kenneth. There's going to be the young men. <laughs> going to be like Eldad and Medad. You're going to go throughout this world. You're going to go out through this city. And you're going to say, what do I say, preacher? I'm going to tell you, you prophesy. You say, hey, everybody, I want you to know. No matter where you come from, no matter how you feel right now, I'm going to tell you, God loves you. And if you let God love you, then he will affect you. You'll never be the same. I'm nearly through. 48 minutes. I'm nearly through. When I say that, I just make you feel good. <laughs> really, I'm going to try to wrap it up. The next thing happened. There was a young man that came. When that anointing hit him, he started running. He, he started running. Now I want you to see this. That back in the beginning in Exodus chapter 14, they were experience, experiencing deliverance. Then when they got to 16, they see the cloud raining manna and quail. We get to chapter 11 of Numbers and we see that he's changing the diet of the camp. And suddenly, no more manna, just anointing. No more manna, just anointing. We're one chapter away from Moses saying, Come here, 12 spies. I want you to go over. And I want you to look at what God has in store for us. And I'm going to tell you today with the anointing of God, I can see that we're going to take that land of promise. Not only are we going to be saved without the promise, we're going to become saved with the promise. And so God had a plan from not enough to just enough, to more enough. So you wonder where you're going? Your marriage don't have very much. God's going to take you from not enough to just enough. But he's not going to leave you there. I can see, I can see into Canaan 
I can come back and tell Moses, we can take it. We can take it. We can take that land. I know there's giants over there, but God's given us this land. And I'm going to tell you right now, I see into 20, into September as the 61st year rolling over from 60. I see God taking you into a promised land. Don't wander anymore in the wilderness. It's just an 11-day journey. Please don't wander around in the wilderness. Come, let's go into the promised land. And so that run, that young man ran. God wants, this thing is going to happen fast. When it said that they ran, God spoke into my spirit and said, it's going to be fast from now on. Get ready, preacher. It's going to be fast. People are tired of dead churches. People are tired of dead churches, powerless churches. They're tired of it. What they're looking for is can you let me feel something? When I walk in the house of God, I don't want to leave the same way that I came. Uh-uh, wait just a minute. You're going to have to come down here, so just lay that down. I'm nearly through. I don't know what time it is, but that clock says I've been going 52, and I think they started ahead of time. I'm nearly through. I'm just, just hang on. I'm nearly through. I'm nearly through. You know what God, you know what the devil's word about? He's not where you are right now. He's worried about your future. He's worried. He's trembling where God's going to do you in your future. God's so big that his glory can be poured out on everybody. I'm not just believing on one. I'm not just believing on two. But Moses said in 29 of chapter 11, he said, I want and I wish that the Spirit of God would fall on all of the camp. All of the camp. Honey, I don't want you to be where you are and stay where you're at in your religious world with your little right hand and your crippled, your little left hand with your crippled right hand. But I want you to come to Jesus and let him heal your circumstances. Give him the right hand. And let him restore your power. Let him restore your life. God don't want us to have a half of revival. But he wants everybody to have revival. If you're dead and you've been kind of withering, God's come to lift you up today. God's to take you to a place you've never been before. You've gone through this low part for a reason because that's just going to let you know you don't like that low part. Now he wants to raise you up to a level that you turn around and say, I'm never going to go back there again. I didn't like that, so I'm coming to where God's got me now. Do I have a witness in the house? Let me tell the little story. This little old skinny, strong man him and his wife come here sister Kelly him and his wife 
Stand. Stand, my son. Stand. Yeah, stand. What's your name? Chucky? What's your real name? Well, Chucky. Who are you? Oh, I'm just a preacher's kid. Preacher's kid. I've come into this place to get my inspection on my car. Is that okay? Yeah, I'll inspect your car, but I want to tell you about my church. I want to tell you where I go to church at. And these people said, well, I got a lot of cars. And they kept coming back with cars to inspect. And he kept saying, why don't you come to church? One day, here comes Kirk. He walks into the church with his beautiful wife, and they sit way back over there. I'm talking about as far as you could get. I remember looking around there, and there were so many faces in ahead of them, I didn't even know if they were even in sight. They were so far back. They were checking things out. And then all of a sudden, it fell on them, and they liked it. They fell, the Lord fell on them, and they liked it. They said, I don't know about this church. I've not been here long enough to understand it, but I like it. I got to keep coming, and I got to tell my daddy about it. I got to tell my mama about it. Come on, Rebecca, come on. And I remember the first time that man come walking in the door as a good old Catholic boy. Never felt anything like this. But I'm talking about he, he used to comb his hair down. But after he heard the music, it just blew his hair back. And he's been having his hair blowed back ever since. And I remember meeting him in the vestibule. And he walked up here with a uh, with a smile on his face, he said, Ooh, I like this. I like this. He said, I'll be back. And I'm always wondering if somebody's going to come back. I wonder how they like the service. And this guy didn't take him long. I like it. And he's been here ever since. And I'm going to tell you, this little religious boy has found that God has been more than he could ever dream of. Jeremy, you can't run them off if you wanted to. You can't tell them anything about Pastor Jan or Pastor Jeremy or Pastor Jan's family. You can't say anything about them because I'm going to tell you, the salvation may not may slip away for just a moment. This man right here will fight a circle saw over me. And I'm going to tell you these people have found something that they have never experienced before and now I see them and the glory of God has been falling upon them and I got something to tell
tell you that I'm going to tell you that the anointing of God is going to baptize you like he's never baptized you. And I got something to tell you. Isaiah chapter 10 verse 27. It says because you have that anointing that the anointing breaks the very yoke of bondage. Right here it says and it shall come to pass in that day that he that his burdens shall be taken off of him and that off his shoulders and his yoke from off of thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. I pray that everybody that's in this house that's doing something for God that God would anoint you that would break every yoke of bondage that comes your way because the anointing of God is powerful. I can't give you no more lime life. Everybody stand to your feet. this anointing to fall on you like it's never fallen on you before. I want this glory to fill your life. Come on, if you'd like to have the anointing, I want you to get out of your pew. Get as close to this altar as you can. Come on. Come on. I feel a raining from heaven. Feel a raining from heaven. Some of you are so hungry for the anointing to rest upon your life like it's resting upon Jeremy's life. Some of you are wanting the anointing to fall upon your family like the anointing, uh, like the anointing has fallen upon these families in this church. I'm not just talking about a touch. I'm talking about anointing. I'm talking about when people see you, they say, that man's anointed. That woman's anointed. I want you to know, did you ever say, that man right there is anointed? That lady right there is a woman of God. I pray that his anointing hits you, that God fills this whole house. Some of you are not here yet at the altar, but you want to be. Pride has got you. Pride has got you. Get up. Get up. Come on. God says he wants to pour it off in the camp. Everybody lift your hands to God right now. Everybody. Just as high as you can get them. Just as high as you can get them. Say, Holy Spirit, rain on me. Come on, rain on me. me to do. God, use me and anoint me. I know I'm an elder and it seems like the end of my life is coming to an end, but God, you fought, you gave it to the elders and they liked it. God, follow me. Feel me. Anoint me. 
I'm going to tell you when this church gets fully anointed, we're going to turn this city right side up. I'm going to tell you because you listen to this sermon today, something was imparted to you today. You need that anointing. You need that anointing. Here's what I want to do. I want to hear a cry. I want to hear a cry. Come on, open your mouth. Oh, come on, open your mouth. Come on, just open your mouth. You got to learn to open your mouth. You got to learn to open your mouth. Oh, God, here I am. Come on. Oh, God, here I am.
until you get what you need. He's pouring out his presence. The presence of God is here in the praises of his people. We are praising you, God, right now. Lord, we need you, Jesus. Obedience to the word of God. Hallelujah. I now baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. In Jesus' name. Praise God. of your faith and the obedience to the word of God. I now baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your faith and remission of your sins. by the lovely name of Jesus. God bless each and every one of you. We pray that, the, that God will keep you. May his face shine upon you. Lord bless you. Listen, tonight at 6 o'clock, if you would like to experience something more powerful and a strong move of God, be here at 6 o'clock tonight. We join together in prayer. We pray for one hour, and it is powerful. Be here at 6 o'clock tonight for prayer. We'll see you on Tuesday. We'll see you on Wednesday. Come on. Continually better. Amen. Make up your mind to be one of the comeback stories in Jesus' name.